Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Loot Crates. Yes, we've talked about these guys in the past. I love Loot Crate. I've known Matthew and the guys that run the company for quite a long time now. It's pretty simple. For less than $20 a month, you get a Loot Crate. And what is a Loot Crate? It's a subscription box service. Inside it is $40 plus worth of geek, gamer, pop culture gear. There's collectibles. There's comics, etc. There's tons of stuff, and it's delivered straight to you every single month. I love doing subscription-based box services because, for me, I love to re-gift the items to other people and keep what I love also for myself. And also, Loot Crate has been around the block for quite a long time. They are sort of the oldest, baddest dudes in the business. They don't mess around when it comes to sending you a Loot Crate, and they make sure that you get a full value of Crate stuff every single month. This month, the Loot Crates are combat-themed, so they got exclusive items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom. There's some sponsored stuff from the Hunger Games. So if you want to get this month's box, guess what? You guys can get $3 off by going to LootCrate.com slash command, entering the code command. You save 3 bucks for a new subscription, and you have until November 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive this month's Crate. And when that Cutoff happens. That's it. It is over. You no longer get to get the credit for this month. So check it out. LootCrate.com slash command. Enter the code command. Save three bucks on your new subscription today. All right, let's get on with the show. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Do you like think of a song beforehand? Or just I just literally just start going. Y'all ready for this? I did Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for the command zone? What's up, everybody? How's it going? My name is Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Yeah, I don't come up with a song before I start. Clearly the not. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I let the creative juices flow, and boom, there we go. It all works out in the end, Jimmy. In this case, it did. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this episode? <laughs> I am ready for this. I am too. Um, it is Thursday when we record this podcast, but tomorrow, the next come out. Woohoo! Commander 2015, baby. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Let's not sing that song. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? <laughs> so we are going to be doing a review of each and every pre-con deck. Yep. Um, that would be too much, too long, way too much information for one episode. So we'll probably break it up into three, maybe even four episodes. Yeah. We're going to tackle two of the decks today. We're going to talk about the black-white deck, which has Daxos mm. on the cover. And we're going to talk about the blue-red deck, which has Mizzix 
on the cover. So we're saving red, white for last, right? Best for last. Uh, sure. <laughs> spend a whole episode. Well, last time we did this, we did two, two, and one. Yeah, <laughs> we spent a whole episode. No, I think Azuri gets his own. Yeah, Azuri will definitely get his yeah. own. Um, Speaking of the the red, white, though. Yeah. We, we did. We had a contest. We did. We asked you guys to help us uh, make a good version of the Kalemni deck because we couldn't find of any. We couldn't find anything that really was exciting. We were not inspired. Yeah, not inspired. But you guys were, and uh, we had a lot of great, uh, uh, great comments, uh, emails in, and uh, tweets at us. So thank you guys for using all three mediums to get at us. Yeah, a lot of people responded, and a lot of new names, which was really exciting. Yeah, that's cool. So welcome all the new people to the show. If we haven't heard your name before, uh, thank you for letting us know that you exist. These shows are for you guys. Um, and also, uh, so we'll announce who won the Calamity deck because we're going to give away that Boros deck at the end of this episode. Um, but in the meantime, thank you all also for great comments on the last episode. We did, of course, make a few mistakes. Um, uh, a lot of you let us know that Starfield of Nyx actually kills all of Daxos's enchantment creatures because it changes them into power and toughness equal to their converted mana cost. So if it's a token enchantment creature, it just becomes a 0-0 zero, zero and dies. Sad. Um, yep. It's a very sad Starfield. Um, we also had a guy named Cast Roberts say, uh, if you if you cast spells with Mizzix and you can respond to his triggered ability and cast a spell in response to get more uh, more uh, in experience counters. And I think this works. So and since you cast Ponder, and then when that's on the stack, you cast Brainstorm in response, and it's still equal to the number of experience counters you have because that trigger You have to respond to the trigger of the experience counter going correct. on, correct? Yeah, yeah, not, not to Ponder. Okay. I'm not even going to comment on that because I'm always wrong about rules interactions, <laughs> but it sounds good. It sounds good. Yeah, it sounds cool, too, because if you have, for instance, two five drops in your hand and he's at four experience counters, you can be like, sweet, five drop, five drop, if they're both instants, and you don't have to um, wait you know, and be like, oh, darn, I cast one five drop. Now this other one's dead in my hand if I want to add experience counters. Very cool. Very cool. Whew. All right, so we've cleaned up. We're done with our cleanup step. We can go on to the main topic here. Wait, doesn't the cleanup step happen at the end of the, <laughs> the episode? We're done, done with the upkeep step. There you go. Good call. Main um, phase. Into the main phase. So we're going to tackle the black and white deck first. This is um, the Daxos deck. It comes mm-hmm. actually with three legendary creatures. As all the precons do. Correct. So... Well, let's read Daxos first. Sure. Daxos, the returned. Uh, by the way, the uh, the old Daxos is in uh, the Legendary Cube, which I just saw some people play today because of the streamer showdown. So if you guys remember, we did an episode with Adam Prosak uh, two weeks ago. Uh, make sure you guys check out the Legendary Cube. It should be out pretty much by the time this episode. It looks sweet. Yeah, it's really sweet. Uh, Daxos, the return is one white black, so three total, for a 2-2 Legendary Creature Zombie Soldier. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you get an experience counter. And for the activated ability of one black-white, so the same as his casting cost, put a white and black spirit enchantment creature token onto the battlefield. It has this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of experience counters you have. So do not do this when you have zero experience counters. Oh, yeah. I, re- I misstated that earlier when I said it's equal to the amount of enchantments you have. It's me- equal to yeah. the amount of experience ca- counters, counters you have. But right. Starfield next still kills all those tokens. So, <laughs> um, Yep. So Daxos clearly wants you to play a lot of enchantments. Because then you make token enchantment creatures that are huge. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, the other cards in this deck that you can make into your can- commander. Yeah, uh, Karlov of the Ghost Council. Uncle Carl. Is the uh, second legendary creature and the second new legendary creature. Mm-hmm. All these decks have uh, two new and then one or two reprints. Yep. Um, so Karlov of the Ghost Council, Uncle Carl, 
is a 2-2 legendary creature spirit advisor. Costs just a white and a black. Whenever you gain life, put two 1-1 counters on Carl. And then you can all, he also has an activated ability. You can pay a white and a black and remove six 1-1 counters from Carl and exile target creature. So Carl clearly wants you to gain a lot of life mm-hmm. throughout the course of the game and not a lot of life, uh, meaning a lot of little bits of life rather than like yep. one big windfall of life. So, Yeah. Carl is hungry for life. Hungry for life. And Which soup, is ironic because he's a ghost. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I guess ghosts. No, ghosts would be hungry for life because yeah. they don't have it. But what are they feeding him in the picture? Uh, it looks like soup. <laughs> Carl's like, get that soup away from me. I demand a life. <laughs> And they're like, dang it, Carl. And he's just going to exile all of them. Uh, Carl also looks like he is a hungry person. I mean, he, I mean, not to demean him by any means, but it looks like he's a, in his prior life, he had quite the voracious appetite. Anyway, the last card uh, that is a legendary creature that you can use as your commander in this deck is Tesa, Envoy of Ghosts. Uh, five, a white and a black for a 4-4 legendary creature, Human Advisor. It has vigilance and protection from creatures. And whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, destroy that creature. Put a 1-1 white and black spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So that's actually really sweet. Yeah, Tesa is normally a, a Voltron-y type of general where uh-huh. you want to protect Tesa and then she therefore protects you from uh, most creatures. And also, she can't really be blocked because she has protection from creatures. Yeah. So making her uh, into a, a big high power and toughness, usually you can just swing in you know, without getting blocked. So she's usually a Voltron type commander. So we've got a cares about enchantments commander, a life gain commander and a Voltron commander. Um, This deck is not built for the second of the thin third of these. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about how you choose who you should run as your commander for these decks. And I think last time we did the pre-cons, the monocolored ones, we talked about it and there was a little bit more discrepancy. This time it's yeah. going to be a little bit easier. I think most of the time you run the experience counter um, general as your commander. Yeah. And but- these episodes are also to help you guys get these boxes out of the pre-con box, play them out of the box, and then make small adjustments on a budget to make them significantly better and run the way that uh, we think is a great start to an EDH deck. So Yeah, and also even if you don't change it at all, just knowing which of these cards you should run as the commander, mm-hmm. and that will tell you sort of how to play the deck. So that can even help, even if you're not planning on being able to change it at all right away. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, we're going to definitely make some suggestions of just easy changes you could make. We're not going to talk about massive overhauls of the deck. We're just talking about you pick up the pre-con deck and maybe five to seven cards that you switch in and can just make it a, a lot better. Yep, um, totally. I did a stat breakdown of the decks like I did last time. And so let's look at some of the stats for this black and white deck. And and the stats will help us determine uh, who we're running as the commander and why. And again, it's going to be Daxos. And for I think for most of these uh, pre-cons, it's going to be the experience counter yep. general. The front but, of the box general. Yeah, but it's good to know, you know how well that mechanic is supported and, and why you should run it. So um, we always start with ramp and card draw. This deck has... About six ramp cards, about seven card draw cards. That's a little bit low, but it's not crazy low. Yeah. Um, I would like a little bit more in both categories, uh, ideally. I want more in this next category because this deck has white in it. Yeah, and, and board <laughs> wipes, there's really only one uh, true board wipe. And then there's two if you count Doomwake Giant, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's some 
there's some cards that sort of get rid of two or three things, but as far as like pure board wipes, and, and this is extremely low. Yeah, I agree. It is very low. Yeah, I, I don't think I have a single EDH uh, deck that has less than four board wipes, and ideally oh, really? I usually want like five to, to seven. Yeah, so that's pretty low. Now, single target removal is the next category, and this deck has nine single target removal Ooh, spells or some are creatures that can pinpoint removal stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty high. Uh, I would say... And that's where I would take out maybe a few single target removal things Certainly. and add some board wipes because board wipes actually generally in EDH work at better than single target removal. I mean, you need some single target removal, but a lot of times you're just so far behind that killing one thing just doesn't do much. Yeah. Um, okay, so we know Daxos likes enchantments. So how many enchantments are in the deck? There's about 28. Which there you is... go. <laughs> that's the bulk of the deck, by the way. That's over. That's like about half the amount of cards you're going to be playing in the deck outside of lands. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, how many lands does the deck have? I, I, I'm not looking at it right now, but um, it has. I will tell you, 39. Okay, so it has a lot of lands, which makes sense because Daxos wants to. He's a mana sink. Yeah, he wants to use his ability quite a lot. Yeah, so that means you're right. There's only 61. Uh, other cards. Mm-hmm. So 28 is almost half of your cards. Um, so that tells you right there that you need to run Daxos because you have 28 enchantments and Daxos cares about enchantments. So yeah. definitely the deck is focused there. Um, now, I made a category what I'm calling uh, enchantment payoffs. Mm-hmm. So these are cards that pay you off for having a lot of enchantments. So there's Daxos, who's who is one, and then there's five other cards, like Sigil of the Empty Throne, which we talked about last episode that says whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you put a 4-4 white angel creature token onto the battlefield. So that's an enchantment payoff. There are five enchantment payoff cards, like I said, and Daxos. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then just for the sake of it, I broke down the life gain cards and the life gain payoff cards. (laughs) This is Just because Carl is in there and you want to know, like, is running Carl like an actual possibility? Well, there's about five life gain cards, (laughs) which is not very many. And really, Carl is the only payoff card for life gain. There's not a bunch of cards in there that say every time you gain life, do this. Um, So it's very clear that the life gain theme is not supported. And Carl is sort of in there as a potential like Titania was of like, hey, you can take this guy and build an entirely separate deck. Yeah. But as far as running Carl as the front man for this deck, I would not. I would not say that's optimal in any way. Agreed. Well, I mean, you can. It just would require quite a lot to overhaul the deck. And that's why Daxos is going to be the general if you want to run this out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a lot of stores do, like, you know, play the new commander decks just straight out of the box. And so uh, it's nice because there is a lot of enchantment help here. And I think I would, you know, this wouldn't be a bad choice to play out of the box because there aren't that many other enchantment removal cards in the other precons, right? Um, yeah, there is a few, like the white righteous confluence yes correct and it gets rid of uh enchantments but it's in this deck yeah so um i do think like ideally i would want even a little more enchantments Mm -hmm. you know because now we have so many enchantments and there's creatures that are enchantments and there's the constellation mechanic which says every time you cast or an enchantment enters the battlefield you do stuff so i would look at adding some enchantments just in general um, Not to mention enchantment creatures is sort of the big area where you will get by by still having creatures in your deck and still triggering enchantment stuff and not exactly. just getting hosed by Fraction Gust or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, well, let's talk about... So so that's just general overview of what the deck looks like. 
Daxos clearly, I think, should be the front man. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the best cards in the deck, given that we believe that uh, Daxos is the front man. Uh, one of the cards is Mesa Enchantress. This card's been printed three times beforehand. It's one white white for a 0-2 uh, sassy lady, and all she says is whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you may draw a card. Pretty good. It's unfortunate that she her text doesn't say whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control because right. then it would trigger off of Daxos's tokens. Uh, but it's still good. You still have 28, hopefully more, enchantments in the deck, and so every time you cast one, you get to draw a card. Yeah. There's not a lot of card draw in white. Uh, there's definitely not a lot yeah, of card draw. Yeah, black can white, do so. it, but you're going to you're gonna need card draw. So yep. that's a very good card. I would not take it out for any reason. Sigil of the Empty Throne, we already talked about, makes four, four, four angels. Yeah, that could definitely just be a straight-up win condition for you in this deck, just to be able to put out bigger, better threats than your opponent is able to answer. Because four, four angels are nothing to scoff at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could just win right off that for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, we mentioned this guy earlier. Um, Doomwake Giant. Uh, this card saw a lot of standard play when it was mm -hmm. in and around standard because it is kind of a board wipe on a stick. Uh, it's four and a black for an enchantment creature giant. It's a four six constellation, and we'll we'll talk about constellation a bit uh, throughout this. Whenever Doomwick Giant or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, creatures your opponent's control get minus one minus one till end of turn. So this is actually enchantments entering the battlefield, not being cast. So it so. actually Daxos's ability putting enchantment tokens out does trigger this. Yeah, when this guy's on the battlefield, Daxos reads one black white, put a you know potentially very big creature out, but also all your opponent's creatures get minus one minus one. Right, and if you have six, nine, twelve mana, all of a sudden every turn you might be able to give all your opponent's creatures negative four, negative four, or something yeah. like that. And that is going to kill a lot of stuff. Yeah, and uh, make their stuff so small that they can't really block you. Mm -hmm. Also, Daxos's ability is. It does. It's. It doesn't ca cause them to tap. So, and you can do it in instant speed. Yeah. So those two things right there are super powerful with constellation and Doomwick Giant is sort of the best constellation card in these colors. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention is just that Blade of Selves exists. Oh gosh. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That's powerful. It's not in this deck, but I would get a hold of one maybe and put it in here because if you put Blade of Selves on Doomwake Giant and attack with mm -hmm. the Doomwake Giant, that'll put like three or four copies of Doomwake Giant, but they'll all trigger off each other. Yeah. So Blade four, of Selves is certainly the one of the best cards in all of the commander decks. It's probably the single best card, and yeah. it helps that it's colorless because it can go in any deck. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to go in every single deck because if you don't have Enter the Battlefield effects, I think it's probably not as good, but so many decks have that. Right. That Blade of Selves is just kind of crazy, but Doomwake Giant, Blade of Selves, that's just like... I mean, yeah. I don't know what you do about that as an opponent, except for kill the Doomwake Giant in response before they can attack. Yeah, as they enter the combat step. Yeah, but if you yeah. can't do that, all every all creatures are dying, but it's one sided, not not the guy with the Doomwake. Yeah, not to mention it could just also a lot of them would just beat down your face for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're fairly big creatures. They've got the word giant. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Um, this next <laughs> one is also in our notable reprint section, so we're going to talk about some notable reprints a little bit later. Uh, sort of the big, flashy reprint cards from this deck. But Phyrexian Arena. Yeah, this card's great. Yeah. I put this in a lot of my decks, actually. I think if it has black, I try and put this card in there. Mm -hmm. So Phyrexian Arena is one black black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may draw a card, and you lose one life. Sorry, not you may. You do draw a card, and you <laughs> lose one life. Um, don't don't deck yourself. Yeah, don't. <laughs> this, is, this card's just awesome. Every turn, you get an extra card. Yeah. Yeah, it, it immediately on your very next turn replaces itself and after that it's just value yep 
Yeah, and this was an expensive card before this reprint. I mean, it wasn't super, super expensive, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't super cheap. So it's yeah. good to have it here. Uh, we do have a new card here. It's Bastion Protector, and this card is sweet. I think this is one of the best cards and also in the set. Um, two and a white for a 3-3 three, three human soldier. Three mana for a 3-3, three, three, count me in. Commander <laughs> creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and have indestructible. Whoa. So it makes your commander bigger and indestructible, which is the most important part, mm -hmm. I think, in this deck. It just protects Daxos. Yeah. And, and, like, honestly, a lot of the times people are like, oh, but what if the Bastion Protector gets killed? It's like, well, great. You just took a card off your opponent that was going to aim at your commander and instead force them to kill something else. And that, I don't think people realize, is actually really valuable because people don't want to have to put themselves in the position where, like, okay, I have to get through two things to get your commander. I'm going to find a better value for this card. And that's sort of, like, what happens when um, uh, our good Glenelendra Archmage hits, hits the battlefield. Because, like, I have to cast... I have to get two things countered before I can even do anything? I'm just not going to cast anything at all. Yeah, it's very hard to get through two layers because a lot of your answers are just board wipes. Well, board wipe doesn't really... Like a Wrath of God, it'll just kill the Bastion Protector. Mm -hmm. And the Daxos will still be sitting there. So yeah, very, very good card. Um, there Dang are other yeah. good cards, but I think those are sort of our top five that um, in this deck Yeah, for the purposes of having Daxos as your commander are just... I, do not take those cards out. They're very good. Yeah, they definitely support the archetype they're going for. Now, when it comes to the worst cards, well, you may have been able to guess they're going to be the life gain ones because they life gain. While it is powerful when you can really build around it, does nothing for this deck if you are if you if you are running Daxos as your commander. Now, of course, you could get Uncle Carl out at some point, and sure, it'll get better, but it doesn't really do anything for you there. Yeah, just your odds of getting Carl out and gaining life in a game and that mattering—it's just like. Most of the time, what's going to happen is you're going to get Carl out, but you're not going to get any of your life gain stuff, so he won't do anything. Or you're going to get your life gain stuff, but Carl won't be out, so that won't really matter. Yeah. So it's just not worth it to have little bits and pieces of your deck that are unfocused. It's better to just take that stuff out and put in more enchantments, more stuff with Constellation, more stuff that synergizes with Daxos. Yeah. And those cards are not saying that they're bad by any means. It's like, you know what? Make another deck with those cards. You know, find another house for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when we say worst cards, we're not saying these cards are bad. We're just saying they're bad in this deck. Yeah, for instance, Fate Unraveler, three in the black for a 3-4. Whenever an opponent draws a card, Fate Unraveler deals one damage to that player. I know a great deck for this card. <laughs> it's called Nekusar hey, or Chromat, as or Chromat, it were. Yeah, for Josh. Um, so yeah, again, the card is not bad by itself. But in here, it's like, okay, this thing's going to come down and just make everyone slightly, mildly irritated at you for a while. Yeah, it doesn't. you don't have a lot of ways to make your opponents draw cards. So Fate and Raveler, yes, it's an enchantment creature, but it there are other enchantments that you could run that also do things you want to do. This yeah. is not doing anything you really want to do, like one damage to everybody every round of the table. Like Jimmy said, it's just going to make everybody mad at you. Not to mention it is a uh, enchantment creature hag. So I don't want no hags in this deck. <laughs> it's hagless. Yeah, I'm a hagless. I'm hagless going hagless. Daxos. Yeah, Daxos don't need no hags. Um, the other two cards we have on here are Vow of Duty and Vow of Malice. So Vow of Duty, uh, yes. we actually talked about with the Legendary Cube. Mm -hmm. um, it's a two and a white for an enchantment aura. It says enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, has vigilance, and it can't attack you or a planeswalker you control. <laughs> Obviously, you put this on one of your opponent's creatures. These are the cards that, like a card like that, it seems good. It's like, oh, I take a big threat, and then I don't kill it. It just starts working for me, sort of. Yeah, that's the the sort of part. Yeah. It's like you're not actually controlling the creature and making it do stuff. Uh, you're just making it kind of turn around. and. You're just know. giving yourself immunity from it. Yeah. It's just generally not worth a card. Um, it is, an, again, it's an aura. 
but I think you can find better auras. And Vow of Malice is the other one we have, which is similar. It's two and a black. It says Enchanted Creature gets plus two, plus two, has Intimidate, and can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control. It's basically the same as Vow of Duty. Yeah. That one's slightly better, I think, because Intimidate means that someone with a Voltron commander will be like, oh, sweet, another you know evasion ability on my, yeah. my commander. And Vigilance is inherently bad to give to your opponent because now they can attack somebody else but still block you. Yeah, exactly. So, And the problem with these Val cards, too, is also, like, I think the best target for these, obviously, would be a Voltron commander. Mm-hmm. And if a Voltron commander is suited up correctly, you're not going to be able to target them anyway. Yeah, you're never going to get to a Voltron commander at sorcery speed if somebody's, like, doing it correctly. Yeah. So uh, these cards are just pretty bad and you can replace them fairly easily uh and in fact we're going to talk about some cards you might add in a minute here for sure but let's touch on the uh what do you think about the deck yeah well let's touch on the notable reprints really quick here oh yes okay so notable reprints is uh, uh partially inspired by our good friend jason alt who does a whole article about this um and it's great because seeing the prices when he writes the article as opposed to what i like literally moments after yeah. when people are realizing oh my gosh this is getting reprinted or this card didn't get printed in all the decks is always really fun um so we already talked about one phyrexian arena it used to be like a above $10 card. Around 10 bucks, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely going to drop down for the version that's printed in these decks, but it's a great card. It's one that I put in a lot of my black decks because getting consistent card draw is always nice. Now, the bigger your play group, if you're playing with like six people, then it, maybe it's not as good. But I still think it's good. I mean, you're just drawing one extra card. That's just never going to be bad, and games that's are true. slow enough, and it can come out pretty early on turn three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I put it in almost every black deck. I mean, I don't have unlimited Frexian Arena, so... Now you can. Now... Possibly I could. Unlimited. The next one is pretty cool. Um, Black Market. This card was getting pretty expensive. I think it was above $20. Really? Yeah. I got it at like 12 or something. But it, this is a great fit for my Marchesa deck. Yeah, and, and this is one of those cards that like I always want more of, but I was never willing to spend that price tag for it. <laughs> so now I'm happy because there's certainly some decks where they would use it, but they don't have to have it, so I didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's three and two black for an enchantment. It says, whenever a creature dies, put a charge counter on black market. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add black to your mana pool for each charge counter on black market. So anybody's creature dies, black market gets a counter, and then you just start getting that much mana during your main phase every turn. It's pretty crazy. We've seen black markets with like 27, 28 counters on them, and it's that's yeah, unlimited mana. They're actually my black markets usually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just unlimited mana. When you have unlimited mana, you win. You're going to win. Yeah. I mean, even though it's just like, oh, main phase, I have to use it then. It's like, great. You can cast a billion things. And um, with Daxos, is uh, well, you have to cast white for the right. for the ability, but still, it gives you... All the free black and the and the colorless. Yeah, so you're just going to well. be able to cast more tokens, or sorry, activate the ability and make more tokens. Yeah. Um, not to mention if you're running a deck, uh, like a, a green-black deck with a lot of sacrifice things, you know, or if you have Eldrazi Scions from Bella for Zendikar, this card gets way better as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of these reprints are going to be good to sort of take out of the deck mm-hmm. that they're in and put in another deck that uses them better. And yeah. actually, the Daxos deck... Black Market's not amazing in that deck. It's fine, yeah, it's and you fine. could definitely run it. But, I mean, if you get the black-green deck, I don't know if it already has what it What you do it. is you play Black Market, and then you play uh, Starfield of Nyx, and then you get a ton of triggers because you just killed all your creatures. <laughs> right? Is that how it works? <laughs> that's exactly... Mm, yeah, that seems... Almost there. Yeah. Um, another great reprint, Lightning Greaves. One of the best equipments in EDH, Commander. Um, two drop for in the artifact equipment with a equip cost of zero... Hello, equipped creature has haste and shroud. 
So this is just a very important card in general because you want to give a lot of creatures haste. Um, yeah, and the fact that it comes for staple. zero is huge. Now, That's the biggest thing, I think, because it actually gives haste to anything you cast. So you can basically cast anything, move Greaves over for yeah. free, and then just haste. So... That's why it's better than Swiftfoot Boots. It's definitely a very scary card to see come down because you just don't know what's going to come and hit you in the face. Like, it could be anything. Yeah, it could be anything, um, especially for decks like Jaleva or Narset. Um, now, Shroud it has its downsides because you can't target it yourself. It's kind of got universal, can't touch this. Um, so if you're trying to suit up a commander or do something and it has Shroud, it's like, well, you can't actually target your own creature anymore. Correct, but because it's got a zero equip cost, a lot of times you just slide it to another creature, yeah. cast what you need to, and then slide it back. Yeah, we actually ran into a, a funny situation where someone had Jaleva out, and that was the only creature in their deck, and they equipped Lightning Greaves to it, and, and then they quickly couldn't, yeah. they couldn't equi- unequip it <laughs> unless Jaleva like, no! somehow died. Like, no! oh, I want to put this other stuff on there. Yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun. The last notable reprint we're going to talk about is Karmic Justice. This is an enchantment for two and a white. It says, whenever a spell or ability an opponent controls destroys a non-creature permanent you control you may destroy target permanent that opponent controls so anytime Mm. somebody kills one of your non-creature permanents you can just destroy a permanent on the battlefield that's pretty cool not your own sorry you can't destroy your own permanent you can only destroy an opponent's permanent but it doesn't have to be the same opponent that destroyed your thing karmic justice is a good name for it uh it is kind of cool though i like that you get to ice something of an opponent's especially if it's a one-sided thing it's definitely just like value over the course of a game. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get your artifacts destroyed. Somebody's going to wrath everything, you know, play, they're going to do something where like they kill a bunch of your enchantments and you just could go bing, bing, bing. Yeah. And you could kill lands. That's true. Destroy target permanent. It's also just kind of like a, uh, a nice wall to put up. I mean, the ability was like, hey, if you destroy that thing, I'm going to start blowing up your lands. Yeah. Just that threat is so great that a lot of times people be like, okay, I won't do it because I, uh, I, I like my lands. Yeah, and as long as you're not like oppressing that person particularly. Um, another interesting thing about this is that you can use it in tandem with someone else. Like, oh gosh, that person's uh, whatever is getting out of control of that enchantment, but I, can, I don't have a kill target creature. It's like, ice one of my guys fast. I yeah. don't care. We have to get rid of this together and we can do it as a team. And we can do it. Wow. <laughs> vote Jimmy. Yeah, vote. I'm Jimmy and I support this message. Yeah, it's like those guys that walk, it does like, I've seen some printouts of people that give like, uh, hey, I'm playing um, this commander and I'm going to give you a little sheet of paper, like an agreement. Like, <laughs> it's Feldegriff. Don't kill me. <laughs> and I'll make sure that you draw some cards. So let's talk about this deck before we talk about the cards we may add. We've talked about what we think was good, what we might take out, what the sort of more money cards are. Mm -hmm. How does it look? I think it looks pretty good. Uh, I think they did a good job focusing this deck. I think we definitely ran into the problem with the monocolor decks that they they felt a bit unfocused. They had a lot of stuff everywhere. And I think it's because those decks were really good for taking apart and putting into other decks. But because this is two color, some of the cards have to be a lot more specific. Um, and I think Wizards really wanted to push the fact that these all have uh, the main commanders have experience counters, so they want to build the decks in a way that really support that. And this deck has some really cool um, uh, prints in it, like Bastion Protector. I think is an amazing card. I think Oreskos Explorer is a de- card that can make its way into a lot of decks as well. Um, overall, I-, I like this deck a lot. I have never built a white black deck before, and this could be my first start. Who knows? It's, I have my Shadowborn Apostles deck, but it's very specific. It's nothing like this. Yeah. It's either this guy or Carl. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah. I think the deck will be decent out of the box. I think there's going to be some mana issues. There's lots of land, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have as much ramp. I would maybe take out a few lands, a few other things, put in some more ramp. 
because just being exactly where you're supposed to be for a turn uh, in commander usually puts you behind the curve. Like yeah. normally people on turn six have eight or nine mana. So that'll make it a little tough. I, I wish there was more card draw as I usually do because I think there's going to be consistency issues um, with only seven card draw spells. Mm-hmm. I would like a few more. Um, and then there's just not enough board wipes. That really makes me scared because how do you come back from games where you're behind? It's really hard, yeah. Um, especially in this deck. Uh, however, you do get to put out giant creatures at a certain point when you've cast enough enchantments. It's like one black and a white to put out a seven-seven. That's pretty sweet. That's good. But if somebody else has a couple board wipes, you also don't have a lot of recovery from board wipes. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of your stuff is enchantments, which is good. But if somebody says destroy all enchantments, I don't even know how you get back into the game. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about that with cards we might add to cover these little flaws. Yeah, you straight up get back thanks to Daxos's ability, I think, is, is really the, the main way you're going to be doing it. You know yeah, I mean? another reason to add more ramp because that's just going to cost you a lot of mana. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's go on to the cards to add section. So this is cards we would, you know, we talked about what we might take out, and these are cards we might put in. Now we're going to sort of split this up because some of them may be a little sp- more spendy than others. A little others. more spendy. Just yeah. a a teensy bit. One we already talked about is Blade of Selves. It's in the Boros, the Kalemni deck, ironically. So there's, oh, a, there's reason. a reason to get it. Yep, exactly. And uh, it just is an equipment that gives the equipped creature Myriad. We talked about it last episode. But Myriad, again, is an ability that when if a creature has Myriad and it attacks, then you create a copy of it for each other opponent that isn't the one that the original is attacking, mm-hmm. and then you exile them at the end of combat. Yeah. So And that, that creature is attacking, tapped in, attacking yeah. that opponent. This is actually really good with the tokens because if you have, you know, like one big token, which may happen because mm-hmm. you've got like five or six other uh, enchantments out, then all of a sudden you just make four really big tokens. I mean, you have to attack everybody, but I think it's still fine. And then, yeah. of course, with Doomwake Giant and some of the other Constellation things. With Constellation, it's in- it's incredible. Yeah, all the Constellation cards are going to do really well with this card. Um, it's just triggering left and right. It's like, holy crap. I mean, it triggers off of all of them, and they trigger off each other. So yeah. that really can be like exponentially crazy. Doomwake is is pretty crazy with yeah, that. Yeah, because Doomwake itself enters, and then it triggers the other one, and then the, another one enters, it triggers it uh, It just goes Yeah, if nuts. you've got four... That's going to be like negative 16, negative 16 to everything, I think. So it's, it's something, something like that. Something yeah. like that. We don't know the exact That numbers. was off the top of my head. So Straight you know. from the top of your dome. Yeah. Um, so Blade Peace of Selves, out. I think, is a good possible add. Yeah. I, it, we might just say it now. Blade of Selves is good in almost every single deck that you can add it to, except for the uh, <laughs> Mizzix deck. Yeah, you don't put it in there. Don't, you, you don't, don't need it. Yeah, you, You've only got a few creatures. We'll talk about that next. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we also have the, the wonderful Sphere of Safety. Oh, and, yeah. This uh, is a must-add. <laughs> Yeah, it's four in the white. Um, it's creatures can't attack you or a planeswalker you control unless their controller pays X for each of those creatures where X is the number of enchantments you control. So white has ghostly prison, uh, blue has propaganda, and white also has sphere of safety, but it's very specific to enchantments. So this is the best version of the don't attack me card enchantments that you can get because they may have to pay upwards of, I don't know, eight, ten. nine, ten mana just swing per creature. Per creature, yeah. That's that's oppressive. Like you can't, you won't even be able to do it. Maybe attack with one creature, maybe, yeah. but it'll take your whole turn. Yeah, sphere of safety is a huge stop sign in this deck. You will be a very safe person. Uh, you will have a whole sphere of safety. You might yeah, say, it's, yeah, a giant giant sphere of safety sounds good to me. 
Um, I'll let you read the next one because I know you love this card. Replenish. Yeah, I play this card in decks that um, have cards like Doubling Season in them yep. because those cards are just on. Yeah, you'll play removed. it for only a couple of cards even. Yeah, I mean, it's just that good. It's three and a white uh, sorcery. Return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. And if it's enchantment aura, they remain uh, in your graveyard because they can't enchant anything. If they can't enchant anything. This card is one of your board wipe recovery spells. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier that there's not a lot of ways to recover from a big board wipe. So this card is so good in this deck. Holy insane. Crap. Yeah. Because yeah. it's going to bring back at least, you know, half your deck. You know, I mean, it, not all at once, but it has that many targets. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, if you get a Doomwake Giant back, you can stack the triggers. Oh, gosh. So that it, everything triggers it. And so you get all your stuff back and just merc everything else for everybody else. Doomwake's oh. very good in this deck. Yeah. <laughs> um, Greater Oromancy is one in a white for an enchantment. It says other enchantments you control have shroud. Enchantment creatures you control, or sorry, enchanted creatures you control have shroud. That is, this is nuts. It's like privileged position. It's or one, one in a white. Yeah, it's super. Two and, mana? And what? it's an enchantment. Yeah. So that it, it like gets you experience counters. Uh, it, it counts for Doomwake Giant and stuff. It's very, very good. Yeah. Um, especially if you know that players will be trying to get rid of your stuff. All right, here's some uh, more expensive cards. Well, we have to say it. It's the guy's cradle of enchantments. Yeah, we talked about this one last yeah, time, too. Sarah's Sanctum. It's a legendary land. You can tap it to add white to your mana pool for each enchantment you control. This card is insane. Sounds good. If you have this and Black Market... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're going to make so many tokens. Yeah. Then they're going to be huge. It's Yeah. And then hope someone casts a, a universal haste enabler because black and white is not really about that. A Chroma's Memorial may be another Memorial, card we should yeah, put in here. Sure. If you're trying to go wide, right? Yeah, and you're a token deck, so you may, you, you may be. And it does give flying, so mm-hmm. even if you're not trying to go wide, it gives evasion. It's not on our list, but we should add it. We just added it. Look at that, everybody. Yeah. The Chroma's Memorial. It was on there the whole time. <laughs> uh, and the last one, go again, team. these are not the only cards we think you should add. We're just naming a few. Um, Avacyn, Angel of Hope. Yeah. Very, very strong. Avacyn is an 8-8 flyer who gives all your permanents indestructible. Oh, she's also vigilant. Just because. Just because, you know, she wasn't powerful enough. They were like, well, what else can we do? Let's make her vigilant. Okay. Yeah. The last thing we'll talk about uh, is just um, cards that fit into other decks. So if you're just buying these decks and you're not looking to make the black-white deck, and there are a lot of great cards in here that go great in other decks. For instance, Burnished Heart. Uh, it's just this awesome creature that fetches out lands. It can go in pretty much any deck. Yep, it gets two lands. I mean, it's very good. Yeah, uh, Night Howler is also another great card. It's a, uh, um, a Bestow creature that can make something really huge uh, or itself can be very big. I like Bestow in general. I wouldn't take it out of this deck if you still want to make this deck. Um, Ghost Quarter. Oh, yeah. Now that de- that card is great. It destroys a uh, target land, and uh, you can also use it to tap for mana. Uh, the the only thing is that it's controller may search their library for a basic land and put it into the battlefield and then shuffle their library. But if you're trying to get rid of like oh I don't know Sarah Sanctum, glacial chasm, glacial guys, chasm, yeah. cradle, maze of ith. There's all kinds of like annoying little lands you want to get rid of. Yeah, uh, if somebody's got yeah, um, thief of blood we talked about last episode. This is the creature that comes in and takes all counters off of all permanents and then gains that many plus one plus one counters. It yeah. basically just kills all Planeswalkers. And also there's a whole bunch of legendary creatures, commanders mm-hmm. like Gave and Merith and even Animar. It yeah. doesn't kill, but it just If your deck hurts. had a lot of um, uh, persist creatures, 
this would actually be pretty sweet because you could remove those negative negative one counters. No, that's a good point because yeah. it doesn't care what kind of counters it just is. Just counters in general. Yeah, it takes per- it takes counters off of vivid lands and storage lands, yeah. and ever flowing chalices and everything like that too. Yeah, so. off of um, uh, it's like, kind of like reverse pro- proliferate. Well, way reverse proliferate. So, yeah, <laughs> it's the thief of blood. <laughs> it also gets rid of stuff like um, what's that enchantment? It's one in the white. You can start putting angels out. Oh, Luminarch Ascension. Yeah, all the Ascensions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Beastmaster Ascension, too. Yeah. Yeah. I also really like Righteous Confluence, which is one of the then the Confluence cycle. Now, this one says for three white, white, you can either put three, you can choose three in any order in any combination. And you can choose the same one more than once. Yeah. So you can put a uh, three, two, two, or uh, put a two, two white knight creature token on the battlefield with Vigilance, or the best one, Exile Target Enchantment. Or you gain five life. So you can do any combination of those as long as you do three total, which is pretty sweet. I think getting rid of three enchantments is pretty strong. And the other modes aren't that bad either. And there, there are decks that will want to play this over um, a Return to Dust or something, depending on the meta. I mean, we've just learned through EDH and just through playing Magic that versatility is so powerful. Just the ability to be like, oh, in this situation, I can do this. But if that situation isn't what I find myself in, then this card has this other use. Mm-hmm. That is extremely powerful, especially in our format where you're playing against four or five other people so that the the situations you find yourself are even more varied. And so cards that are modal like this, yeah, always good. Um, Grasp of Fate is one that uh, we have down here, which is sort of an Oblivion Ring, but you can get rid of a permanent for each person. Yeah, it's actually a really powerful Oblivion Ring. Yeah, it's kind of like Quarantine Field, except for... For way cheaper. For way cheaper, yeah. yeah. And Quarantine Field would be a decent card in this deck, although the mana, it, it's very mana intensive, mm-hmm. but still pretty good, and it's an enchantment. But Grasp of Fate for the price is very, very powerful. Yeah. They, they're getting good with these types of cards, which are like they scale well with multiplayer, but they're not broken in one-on-one. Yeah, exactly. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of right where you want to be when it comes to making new cards for the commander sets, because you don't want stuff that's just going to really warp the format. But something that scales well with just a multiplayer game, I think, is really powerful. Uh, and there's finally, of course, Deadly Tempest, which is the new black board wipe. Uh, and I think a lot of decks that don't have Damnation or can't afford Damnation would want to get this card. Four black, black, sorcery, disorder creatures, and each player loses life equal to the number of creatures he or she controlled that were destroyed this way. So this actually is kind of dangerous for the Daxos deck if you're putting out a lot of enchantment tokens. True. I mean, if you've got a lot of tokens on the battlefield, though, you don't need to cast a board wipe. So right. any board wipe's not going to be good in that situation because you don't want to cast it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this card's good in this deck, and it's just going to hose a token deck if, they, if they're if they not careful. Yeah. Count me in. <laughs> Count me in. Put me in, coach. Uh, overall, I what, what let's say we were doing a limited resources style oh, yeah. elementary school grading system where... F is the lowest, D second lowest, C is average, B is good, and A is the best. What would you give this deck? I would give this deck a K for Karlov. Um, <laughs> cheater. Yeah, right? That's a C. C for cheater. Um, I don't know. I, I'd say this is a solid B, B minus. Yeah, I think B minus is right where I'm at. Maybe C plus. Yeah, it it's seems a good deck, but it needs a lot to come together, I think. Yeah, it seems good, but it seems very fragile. Like, yeah. If everything went well, it could be very powerful. But if it hits a speed bump, like a board wipe at the wrong time, or somebody just happens to have a destroy all enchantments yeah. type effect, it's going to be hard to recover. So I yeah. do think this deck is good. At least it's focused. At the end of the day, you're just putting out giant creatures. With if you're just looking at Daxos, it's like okay, you want to. It's a token strategy, I guess, to put out a lot of big tokens. But it doesn't have any overrun effects because it's white and black. 
Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a, a. I think it's going to be tough to navigate this around the table unless you have a very, unless you're building it to have a very specific win con with those tokens. I mean, the one thing it's got going for it is it puts the tokens onto the battlefield at instant speed, mm-hmm. and so if you can get yourself with black market to a point where you can create enough of these tokens at once and you've got enough experience counters yeah. that they're big enough, then you might be able to do a thing where like on the end step before your turn, you make seven, eight tokens and they're all 12-12s. Right. Well, Black Market, unfortunately, is sorcery speed only. It's your first one. Oh, yeah, you're right. So you can't do that Jeez, with Josh. Speed. Yeah, my Trying bad. to break the game my over bad. here. Well, Sarah's Sanctum, on the other it's hand. It's another reason to put more mana ramp in and get... Because yeah. I think you just need so much mana in this deck, too. Because... That's the way that you're most likely to win is all of a sudden make a bunch of tokens and they're huge because you have so many experience counters Yep. and, you know, people just aren't ready for it at that moment. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, hey, it's time for the mid-roll and we're going to once again talk about our sponsor, Loot Crate. If you guys remember from the top of the episode, Loot Crate is a subscription-based service where you get to get a sweet box filled with geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, etc. Every single month delivered straight to your mailbox. If you go to lootcrate.com slash command and enter the code command, you get to save $3 on any new subscription. We're here to provide the value to you guys. Again, like I said before, I've known Matthew and the people that run this company for quite a long time now. They've helped out with a lot of our fundraising campaigns for both Video Game High School and for my personal project, Band-Aid. There's not much to say other than I trust these guys and I've known them for a long time. So when I found out that we get to do mid-rolls for these guys, I'm more than happy to do it because you don't really get to have brand sponsorships often that really fit along with your own personal interests and stuff that you believe in. And I really believe in these guys. They don't mess around when they send you their boxes. They try and fit as much value into each one as possible. And because these guys have been around the block, they also get access to sweet exclusive deals that other companies that do similar things may not get. This month is a combat-themed box. Again, items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom, some stuff from Hunger Games, and other stuff as well. If you want to receive this month's box make sure you go to lootcrate.com slash command sign up with a code command to save three dollars on a new subscription and you have until november 19th at 9 p.m pacific time to subscribe and receive this month's crate also great news they ship to over 13 different countries so even if you're an international listener of the command zone there's a good chance you can get the loot crate all right back to the episode all right let's move on let's talk about the blue and red deck the is it featuring oh by the way the last deck was called call the spirits oh Call the spirits. Well, that makes yeah. sense. I guess there weren't too many spirits in the deck. Well, Daxos himself is a zombie guy now. Yeah, it's true. I guess he he has entered the the next realm. Um, it's more better for Tesa because she puts black and white spirit tokens on the battlefield. Anyway, uh, this next deck is the blue and red one, the one I'm most excited about, and it's called Seize Control. And I'm uh, that sounds pretty enticing to me. It does sound pretty enticing. I love seizing control. Um, by the way, we also didn't realize this. A lot of you commented, Mizix is a girl. So thank you guys for letting us know. I didn't look closely enough at the art, but I don't care because she is a goblin wizard and goblin, goblin, goblin. That's all I care about. I like the wizard part more than the goblin part. Yeah, yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> I, I do like that it's called Seize Control. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's read Mizix again. Mizix of the Is Magnus. She is two, a blue, and a red. So four mana total for a 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost greater than the number of experience counters you have, you get an experience counter. Instants and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each experience counter you have. So she's very difficult to get experience counters onto as compared to the other ones Mm -hmm. because each time you cast an instant or sorcery, you have to check how many experience counters you have and see if the CMC of the spell you're casting is higher and then she is mana ramp on a stick, kind of like the Animar of Instants and Sorceries. Um, she only reduces the colorless casting cost of a spell, but this is extremely powerful. 
Yeah, the color. I mean, that's the what. If you had to choose one to reduce the casting cost of, it would be the colorless aspect of it because it's not like you're trying to put Arcanus, the imp- the impotent, <laughs> the, omnipotent. the omnipotent. Yeah, he's far from impotent. Yeah, I, I played him in the cube the other day, and I was like, draw three cards. Oh, oh, broken. That's good. Also protects himself. Yeah, anyway, protects himself. Yeah. Tangent. Um. So yeah, I mean, you want to reduce the colorless cast because you're going to be casting some giant crazy stuff. For instance, just talk insurrection, everyone's favorite card. Yeah, you can just cast it for three red. Yeah, it's my favorite card. It's not, it's not everyone's. It's only the person who's casting its favorite card. Precisely. <laughs> and all I think about is me. Uh, so Mizzix is definitely the key commander for this deck. The other cards in this deck that are legendary and you can play as your commander, uh, Arjun, the Shifting Flame. This guy's Mind Moil on a stick, if you guys remember that card. Four, a blue and a red for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature, Sphinx Wizard with Flying. Whenever you cast a spell, put the cards in your hand on the bottom of your library in any order, then draw that many cards. What? That's insane. That's insane. In fact, there's a little bing there to, to cue it off, too, if you guys heard that. Bing! Bing! Arjun, the Totally planned plane. that bing. Yeah, every single time you cast a spell, you have to hit a little bell. Yeah, that was not an accidental. I turned off my phone silent <laughs> and got a text message. That was actually a planned bing! Yeah, and you have to draw a whole new phone now, so you have to put that in the bottom of your whatever. <laughs> Arjun is very interesting, but not really supported in this deck. Um, I would still play him in this deck, though, I think. I'm not sure I would, but anyway, we can talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about the other two legendary creatures. Yes, there are two. One is Melek. This is a reprint. Melek, is it Paragon? Mm-hmm. Is four, a blue, and a red. Six mana total for a 2-4. It says, play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast the top card of your library if it's an instant or sorcery card. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your library, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. There's a lot going on here. It's kind of like Oracle and Moldaya. But with instants and sorceries. And you fork them when you play them. Yeah. It's very powerful. Whole decks are built around Melek. Um, he was sort of the main is it commander before. Besides Joyra, but. Before Mizzix rolled around. But I think he was the main sort of in this archetype, which is instants and sorceries matter archetype. And Melek's big problem, I think, was that he cost six mana. Mm -hmm. And so he came out so late. And then if he got killed once, he was nearly impossible to get back to just because in blue and red, eight mana is crazy. And by the time you got him out again, then what are you even doing? Like, it's game's almost over. If he gets killed a second time, it's 10 mana. You're just done. Um, Yeah, so Melek, I do think, belongs in the deck, but is not as good as Mizzix. No, he definitely is a is a key supporter, though. He definitely helps out, which is good. Um, and uh, finally, there is a card that is not red-blue, but is a legendary creature, Tauron, Sky Summoner. This is another card that you usually see a lot of decks built around. A 2-blue-blue for a 2-2 legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 2-2-blue Drake creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So a lot of people build super control of this deck. And they just slowly peck away at you in the air with little tutus while they yep. counter every, everything. Counter yeah. everything, make tutus every time I do that, and then eventually kill you with an army of tutus and you can't actually get a spell off. Um, Very good 1v1. Not that we know anybody who does things like that, Craig. Craig. <laughs> Craig, what are you doing with your life, Craig? Obviously, Talran can't be the commander of this deck because other then you'd have to take out all the cards with red in them and then you would only have, you know, maybe like... 70 cards or so or less so but he is good with the commander again he's very he's, good he's very good with the commander yeah yeah uh we're gonna talk stats again really quick so this deck has about six ramp cards so not a little light there i would it like definitely needs a lot more for yeah. what this deck is trying to do yeah i would like more ramp but card draw there are between 14 and 16 depending on how 
how you can't count like uh, cantrips and stuff. Well, it draws you a card, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot yeah. is the answer. There's plenty of card draw. There's tons. Um, the deck is really predicated. And when you think about it, it makes sense because if you're running Mizzix as your general, mm-hmm. a great way to run Mizzix is just cast a card draw spell, put an experience counter on Mizzix, and now I have more cards, which helps me hit my land drop so that I can cast another card draw spell, put another experience counter on, draw more cards. Ooh-wee. Yeah, it's a pretty smart way to go. So that makes sense. Um, board wipes. We've got about four, and I put four-ish because Red. there are things like uh, Vandal Blast, which is sort of an artifact board wipe. Yeah. But it's not a, it doesn't get rid of creatures. And normally we would call board wipes things that got rid of all creatures. Yeah. And there's also like Mizium Mortars, which will get rid of a lot of creatures, but, but not, not all. all of them. Yeah. So anytime yeah. you say board wipe with red, it's like, hmm, can I do enough damage? Yeah. Because if it does three to all creatures, is that a board wipe? Does kind damage even of. matter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then single target removal spells, there's about six. Okay. So that's not bad. These categories, I think, are a little bit closer to where we want. Okay, let's talk instants and sorceries, which is what Mizzix cares about, and Melek, and mm-hmm. Talrand. Uh, there's about 33. So there's a lot. There's even more instants and sorceries than there are enchantments in the Daxos deck. So in that respect, you could say that that archetype is more supported. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and this is what we would expect. We would expect the deck to be almost entirely instants and sorceries. So that's good. And then uh, instants and sorceries payoffs. So these are cards that like that pay you off for having instants and sorceries like Talrand. Mm-hmm. There are about four of those. Um, I'm not sure if that's high or low because every instance and sorcery payoff card you have is going to be one less instant and, and or sorcery, sorcery that yeah. you have. So this is going to be a sort of a feel thing. I, it does feel a little low. I might want... The payoff certainly needs to be pretty good. Yeah. I, I might want one or two more depending. Yep. Um, and then card draw payoffs. I was just curious because Arjun does make you draw a lot of cards. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to see if that archetype was maybe supported in any way. There's really only one card that uh, pays you off for drawing a whole ton of cards. And it's Psychosis Crawler. Psychosis Crawler is a five mana star star. Its power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in your hand. And whenever you draw a card, each opponent loses one life. Yeah, well, you're going to be drawing a lot of cards uh, and I guess pinging opponents for stuff. So... I mean, I think that tells us right there, though, because there's only one card that cares about card draw, that Arjun is not your commander. And I think it's pretty yeah. obvious because all the other three care about instants and sorceries. Yeah, Arjun will be a very interesting build around. I'd like to see what people come up with that because the ability is just so chaotic. You know, you're dumping your hand for an equal-sized hand each time. I mean, I liked what you said last time about having Elhamrit's Archive. Oh, boy. And now you're not getting an equal-sized hand. You're getting more cards each time you do it. Yeah. That seems pretty insane. Uh, I'm sure there's more effects yourself, like that. I think. Well, you could have something that allows you to put cards back in your library or something. There are Elixir. cards that do that. Yeah. Of immortality. <laughs> it's a secret. It's a secret to everyone. So let's talk about the best cards category. So these are the cards that we think you shouldn't take out, and they're really the strongest things in the deck. And and some of the reason why the deck goes. Yeah, I've been housed by this first card a lot. Ugh. It's so freaking powerful. I hate it. It's <laughs> it's it, For someone that loves to steal things from other players, this card really upsets me. It's Blatant Thievery. Four blue, blue, blue for a sorcery. So seven mana, not cheap. Mizzix doesn't care. For each opponent, gain control of target permanent that player controls. Target permanent. You can steal Planeswalkers. Lands. You can, you can steal lands. 
you can steal players themselves you can't uh <laughs> yeah for each opponent so you can steal like upwards of four to five things in bigger games you know and you sometimes just get the best thing that they have that doesn't have hexproof or whatever the, a great thing about it too is it's not an enchantment or anything they can get rid of and get the thing back it's just yours unless yep. they bounce it or homeward path or something um this is very strong and usually the thing that holds it back is that it costs seven mana so it's yeah. kind of like insurrection but with Mizix, it's probably just going to cost you blue, blue, blue. Because the four colorless, probably you'll have four experience counters. Yeah, that's really insane. Uh, the fact that it, it costs so cheap is what makes... Every time I look at cards I want to put in this deck, I just get rid of the colorless mana cost in it and, be, and just look at it at the other end. I'm like, oh, it's amazing now. Yeah, and I think when building the deck, one of the important things to try and do is put in spells that cost a lot of colorless mana and very few colored mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unless this, it's unless it's this fever, power level yeah. yeah this power level is very high um the next one is fire mines foresight Ugh. this is another really powerful card i've our, had this played against me a bunch our friend wes uh really likes this and and every time he for plays good it reason yeah no this card is insanely good it's interesting too because i thought it was a sorcery for the longest time because i was like oh this is too good to be an instant no yeah, it's, it's, an instant. it's an instant so it's five and is it five a blue and a red for an instant Search your library for an instant card with converted mana cost three, two, and one. So you get three cards. You reveal them and then shuffle your library. So you tutor for three instants, and they have to have CMC three, two, and one. Yep. This card is awesome. Yeah, especially in this deck when you are trying to level up cards. You know, I mean, at this point, if you're playing a seven drop and you haven't leveled up a a six yet, I guess people keep countering because they know how powerful he is, right? I mean, imagine doing this for a blue and a red. Yeah. And let's let's talk about some of the cards you could get. Well, for one mana, Swan Song's a pretty good one. Brainstorm. For two mana, Cyclonic Rift's a pretty good one. I'm going to say Cyclonic Rift. Yeah, (laughs) Cyclonic Rift is... And I'll say Cyclonic Rift. Being able to go tutor out Cyclonic Rift and two other cards... Yeah, also just Counterspell, uh, if you have blue-blue. Three mana, lots of good stuff there as well. We'll leave it up to you guys to figure that one out. Tell us what you think the best three-mana spell that's an instant that you would go get with Fireman's Foresight. Well, the great thing about Fireman's Foresight is you can play it in response... Yeah. to something they do you can even go get the counter spell and then counter their thing if you feel like it oh uh, yeah and especially um, when it normally you can't because seven mana but uh, well i'll let you guys know what i think the best three are and they are definitely cards that you want to add into this deck if they're not already in there i don't think they are actually so you definitely want to put them in there yep they're not i try to search up the card um yeah so i really like firemind's foresight it's by the way it's just a card that's great in other decks as well if you have targets for it if you're playing white or a five color deck guess what swords of plowshares yep. it's like Clank rift i would say that when you're building this deck another thing to think about not just like what's the um the cost of the spell like how much colorless and how much colored mana it costs is instants are going to be way more powerful than sorceries in this deck because mm-hmm. a lot of what you're going to be doing is draw go so you're going to draw say go and try and do stuff on the end step before your turn. You know, that's why instant card draw spells are going to be very powerful um, because you can sit there with a counter spell up, and if there's nothing you want to counter, then you just draw a bunch of cards. Yeah, that or you play cards like Leyline um, yep. or Vidalcan uh, Orrery, so you can get your power. Because giving every sorcery in this deck flash is absurd. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, insane. Okay, let's talk about... Oh, we skipped one. This is your favorite card, Jimmy. We talked about it last episode. Oh, Epic Experiment. I don't think I've ever played this card, and, and I don't think I ever will until I make this deck, because it's it looks so good. It looks so awesome, and it never pans out. It's X, <laughs> blue, and a red 
So by the way, if a card spell has X in it and Mizzix is out and you have five experience counters, you immediately get to set that at five if you want to. So you can Which cast... means you'll immediately get an experience counter because yes, the X will be five, but you'll also have paid like whatever, in this case, blue and a, and a red. So you'll have paid seven. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. Uh, so epic experiment, X, blue, and a red. Sorcery, exile the top X cards of your library. For each instant and sorcery card with converted mana cost X or less among them, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then put all cards exiled that way, this way that weren't cast into your graveyard. It's great that it goes into the graveyard. Yeah. Because you can use it for delve, which blue is good at, and has things like dig through time and treasure. Oh, yeah, Cruise. that's true. And dig through time is a great eight mana yep. spell for uh, for Mizzix to level up with. Seven, I believe, but uh, but treasure dig cruise through is time? eight. No, it's two and six, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I've been watching too and much. And Treasure Cruise is eight too, right? Yeah. So I mean just probably the two best eight drops. <laughs> and so Epic Experiment is basically like Genesis Wave for instance in sorceries. Yeah. And usually decks that want to play it are like, well, I have a bunch of creatures in this deck. Well, not this one. If you're really playing Mizzix, you're going to have a bunch of instants and sorceries. Oftentimes, this could just win you the game depending on when you pop out, you know? Yeah, because if you can cast it for like 20, you know, let's say you have 10 experience Holy counters and crap. 10 extra mana. Yeah. Then, I mean, yeah. Like, if those are lightning bolts, you kill everybody. Yeah, exactly. So, Even just a insurrection plus uh, like Comet Storm, which is in the deck, you know. Oh yeah, Comet Storm. Oh, actually, oh, no, Comet Storm won't work. Comet Storm X won't work. Spells. Yeah. X spells won't work. Sorry, guys. Ugh, come on, I knew that. Jeez. This won't work with yeah with your X spells, which is unfortunate because you do want a lot of X spells. But all you got to hit is like a Blatant Thievery, Firemind's Foresight, yeah. something else, and you're just, just gonna take down the board for sure. Um, okay, let's talk about some of the worst cards. So we talked about Psychosis Crawler uh, earlier. It's actually not horrible in this deck because you're going to have a lot of card draw, mm-hmm. but I think that it's it's fairly similar to Fate Unraveler from the Daxos deck in that it's just not your main plan. And so a lot of the time, it's just going to be annoying everybody, and the last thing you want to do is annoy everybody because then you're just going to become the default target. Yeah, uh, and especially if you're not just going to play it and win. That's, that's what this card is asking you for, I think. Um, unless you're really going to be drawing so many cards. Now, here's the thing. This deck does draw a lot of cards, but it's like, hey, everyone's at... 36 life and you played psychosis crawler and now everyone's going down to 33 uh what'd you do there you just made everybody mad at yeah, you. you didn't really do much in terms of a lot you didn't really do much work uh dragon mage another card that is sweet but maybe not in this deck five red red flying dragon wizard uh i thought you liked wizards josh i do <laughs> whenever dragon mage deals combat damage to a player each player discards his or her hand and draws seven cards wow for seven mana you're getting like a wheel of fortune effect that you- does work good with psychosis crawler yeah, it does work with Psychosis Crawler, but you're paying seven mana for a flying creature that doesn't have haste. I'd rather just play Wheel of Fortune. Or Which, by the case, way, Wheel of Fortune would cost you one red in this deck, Yeah, and Dragon Mage still costs you seven because Mizzix doesn't affect the casting cost of creatures. Yeah, not to mention there's a Magus of the Wheel card that is in the Clemny deck that is essentially Wheel of, the, Wheel of Fortune, but on a creature. Uh, it's way cheaper, both in price and mana cost. And you don't have to hit anybody with it. Yeah, exactly. I think that in this deck... If if you're thinking about putting a card in that's a creature and not an instant or sorcery, you it better be awesome. Yeah, it better do a lot of work yeah. and help you out significantly. Because you cannot get the the uh, CMC reduction on it, and it won't ever give you experience counters. So it's just got two things going against it that are fairly large right yeah. off the bat. Yeah. In fact, our next card is a creature. It's Lone Revenant. Ugh, this guy sucks. Three and two blue <laughs> for a 4-4 four, four. spirit has hexproof. Whenever Lone Revenant deals combat damage to a player... If you control no other creatures, look at the top four cards of your library. 
Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom in any order. This is just like, why? It's a 4-4 four, four on the ground. Any creature that says when you deal combat damage, it better really be worth it because oftentimes this is not an easy thing to do in Commander. There's always going to be something to block it. And it doesn't do anything awesome. And it only does it if it's your only creature, which means your commander's not out, yeah. which means why is, who cares? <laughs> I just don't understand this card. Take it out immediately. Yeah, get it out of here. Um, Word of Seizing. One of my favorite cards, by the way, but not here probably. Three red, red, split second. So as long as this spell is on the stack, no one can respond to it at that point. It's, sort of, it's a stack killer. It's like, ha, check it. <laughs> Uh, untap target permanent and gain control of it until end of turn. The gains haste until end of turn. Now, notably, this says untap target permanent. So you could get a Gilded Lotus. Mm-hmm. Well, you wouldn't really get a Gilded Lotus. But you could get all sorts of different things. You could get like a Cauldron of Souls and give all your creatures persist and then board wipe or something. Um, but uh, it's a one-for-one one at the end of the day. And you don't have a bunch of sack outlets. Yeah. You know, it's not something where you can take their creature and also kill it, hit them with it. Like, it's just going to be so often like, eh, I don't know, the effect is just going to be very small. Yeah, it's going to be small, and also they're going to take it right back at the end of turn. Yeah. Now, if you pair this up with a fork or, or a card that can double it, then it gets better, but it still doesn't get great. Yeah, I, I just think this is not really what this deck is wanting to do. It's not the worst thing. It's not Lone Revenant. Yeah, it's definitely not Lone Revenant. Yeah, it's Holy like moly. you could keep it in there. At least it's an instant sorcery. At least it'll get the price reduction. It's just still not great. Yeah. Uh, the last one we're going to talk about in this section is War Chief Giant. Get out. I have no idea why this is in here. It's three and two red for a 5-3 giant warrior with haste, and it has Myriad. Hmm. It's like everything else you're doing in the deck is instants and sorceries and drawing cards and countering spells. And, yeah. and this guy is just like, well, and then just sometimes I'll just play a 5-3 with haste and hit everyone at once with it. Yeah, the problem is also like this is definitely in the Calamity deck because that's the deck where it should be because Giants and Giant mm-hmm. Tribal. And I guess maybe they didn't have a spot for anything else in here. I mean, they have to put some stuff in there that you need to take out, I guess. What about, like, is it Staticaster? Like, that card says, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Why not just, like, Gutter Snipe or something? Yeah, Gutter Snipe is, by the way, a great card in this deck. Um, okay, so take those cards out. They are offensive. Well, okay, a few of them are less offensive, but, man, Lone, Lone Revenant, just take that card out. <laughs> I don't even draft that card. <laughs> um, oh, let's talk about the notable reprints. Yes, yeah, some good notable reprints. For one, Blatant Thievery. Mm-hmm. Uh, that card is just great. It, if your deck can can reasonably cast it, even if you don't get a reduction on the price, it's still worth it. Um, it's as powerful as Insurrection in a lot of cases because um, if Insurrection can't win you the game, then it's not that useful. But if people have some crazy enchantments out, some crazy artifact, crazy lands, whatever, uh, Blatant Thievery is pretty good. Yeah, because you get to just keep them. So if you don't win that turn, you still have the stuff. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Dragon Mage is also notable because it hasn't been reprinted since Scourge. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. But other than that, that. actually, there are not that many high-value reprint cards in this deck. This is interesting. Maybe they realized that the deck itself is pretty good, so people would want it. Yeah. So they didn't have to put a bunch of money in there? Yeah, certainly a a truthful fact. A truthful fact. Indeed. Sometimes facts can be untruthful, (laughs) but not this time. Not this time, boys and girls. So let's talk about this deck. Uh, What do you think? How do you think it's going to play? How do you think it looks? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to play because it's not uh, the most powerful without having to fully build around it, I think. I think it's lacking some significant win conditions um, because, one, I think it's just more fragile, not having that much ramp in it. 
Uh, this deck wants a lot of mana to get off the get out of the gates fast, and it it also is missing a couple of very key cards that I think really push the power level to a new level, which we'll talk about in the cards to add section. Yeah, I do like that this deck is very focused. There's really not that many cards that aren't at least doing what the deck wants to do, which they're instants and sorceries, they're drawing cards. Yeah. Um, I think to make this deck really good, you do need some counter spells. Um, just because, it, like I said, it's probably at its heart a draw go deck. Yeah. Um, I it do needs think needs a lot of counter. There's spells, a I lot think. of card draw, so you're going to hit your land drop most turns. So I think that is good. And once you get like five or six experience counters on Mizzix, you're pretty good for mana. Most most spells don't need more than that. Now yeah. the X spells can take advantage of more than that, which is why they're great. But a lot of the spells don't need more than five or six mana. Yeah, the only thing is it requires him to be out or her to be out. So if she gets killed two or three times and you just don't have then enough mana to cast it, yeah, then you are in trouble. That's why counter spells are so important because you're not going to be running lightning greaves in this deck. You're going to be running counter spells in their place because that is what helps you and bounce spells and, and cards to interact because that's how you're going to get her experience counters added. Yeah, I think that is true. Um, I do think this deck will be difficult to play too Very because sequen- sequencing your stuff i mean in some ways and and this is one way to build her is storm mm-hmm. and in some ways it will be similar to that even if you're not playing storm because you're going to be like well i could play this now but if i play this and then this then i'll have two more experience counters and then this card gets better yeah so there's going to be a lot of micro decisions like that and i think it will be which is great that excites me um but if you don't like playing really complex decks this maybe wouldn't be the one for you uh, to pick Certainly. up. Yeah. Yep. yep. Agreed uh, with you there. Okay. Well, let's talk about some cards we may add to the deck. This is All this is them. yeah. This is interesting because Jimmy and I have both actually been building this deck. In fact, I ordered a whole bunch of cards off TCG Player. Someone actually this saw week. your name and tweeted at you. <laughs> yeah. One of our <laughs> listeners happened to work at one of the shops that I ordered through, and he's like, "Hey, I saw you ordered Time Spiral. What are you brewing?" And yeah. I was like. Uh oh, my purchases are being monitored now. <laughs> that's kind of scary. Uh, that's a card you could add to the deck for sure. But let's not talk about Time Spiral. Let's talk about some other stuff. Um, Pyromancer's Goggles. This is a must include to me. This card is so good in this deck. It's pseudo ramp. It costs five to get out, but it's a, a an artifact, legendary artifact that you can tap to add red to your mana pool. And whenever you use that mana to cast a red instant or sorcery spell, you get to double it. You get to choose. Uh, new targets for the copy of the spell. So it forks a red spell as long as you spend that mana on a, on yeah. a red spell. And it's so good. It's really good. The fact that it costs five is not that significant, I think, because oftentimes you'll, you know, at that point, be able to just cast it and with that red mana do something nutty. You yeah. Know, just because you've already gotten experience counters. It's just going to double everything from then on. Well, not everything. Not the blue spells. Yeah. But still, that effect is so powerful. And then you couple that with X spells. Yeah. It's crazy. So it's it's effectively like doubling the amount of mana that you have, or sorry, the amount of experience counters that you have mm-hmm. um, for the red spells seems pretty insane to me. Uh, we talked about Howl of the Horde last episode. It's a sorcery. It says for two and a red, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy, but it has raid. So if you've attacked this turn, you actually make two copies of the spell. Pretty sweet. This card's insane because it only costs one red in this deck. Yeah, not to mention that if you need a creature really to attack, it's uh, it's going to be Mizzix. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay because sometimes you're just going to... Well, you're not going to suicide Mizzix, but if there's enough players, you just Find attack. Find a guy, yeah. Yep. So sometimes you could attack with Mizzix. They block, kill Mizzix, recast Mizzix, then cast all the Horde, then cast your thing. Yeah. So 
you will have a lot of mana, honestly, in this deck, and that's one of the things I think it's missing is it needs artifact-based ramp. Uh, you need yeah. a lot of it. It has the Signet in there, uh, but I think you're going to want to put in as much as you can because I think if you're not playing Mizzix on turn three, maybe even turn two, then you're not doing it right. Yeah, I would put the Clue Stone. I would put the Key Rune. I would put Chromatic Lantern, Dark Steel Ingot, Coalition Relic, stuff like that yeah. because you want your uh, Mana Rocks to produce colored mana. Colored mana is going to be so important in this deck. Colorless mana, yes, you'll still put Soul Ring in there, but it's not as important because Mizzix is yeah. already covering you for colorless mana. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, Cyclonic Rift. Yeah. We already talked about it. <laughs> for some reason, this deck doesn't have it. It really should. Uh, Cyclonic Rift is just automatic include. If you don't know what Cyclonic Rift does, then you need to look it up. But it basically returns all your opponent's permanents. Non-land. Non-land permanents to their hand. Yeah. I mean... You can do one. Or but no one ever it. does that ever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Past in Flames... Ooh, diddly. Uh, each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn, uh, which means you can cast the card from your graveyard for its flashback cost and then exile it. So that's three in the red for a sorcery. So you basically get to rebuy every single card in your graveyard at least once. And this card itself also has flashback. So for four in the red, you can basically cast this and then redo the whole thing over again. So you get to, have, you get to activate this thing twice. It's crazy good with Mizzix. Yeah. Reducing the cost of everything. This is a I win type card where you play it and then just cast everything again and yeah. probably win. Uh, cast Even Blatant you... Thievery again. Oh, gosh. Don't say that to fork me. Fork it. Oh, gosh. When we said Howl of the Horde, too, we should have said, I think all the fork cards, so fork, reverberate, reiterate, twin cast, all that stuff yeah. is playable in this deck. I think reiterate especially because reiterate lets you fork a card and then buy, buy it, it back, back for three mana. So yeah. you will essentially just get an infinite reiterate. Yeah, I think... There are some that are better than others, but fork cards get exponentially better in this deck because you're reducing the mana cost of the thing that you fork yeah. so that you're doubling up the amount of experience counters you have for the forked copy or when you cast fork. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy. Yep. Um, something you may want to fork or reiterate or something, Brain Geyser. Brain Geyser is two blue and X and draw X cards. Or sorry, target player draws X cards. So... This is one of those, if you have Videlkin Orrery, Lane Line of uh, Anticipation, mm-hmm. um, or even just cast it on your main phase with just two blue and then whatever whatever experience counters you have, so you can leave up the rest of your mana, this is extremely powerful. Just draw 10 cards yeah, or and put an experience counter on. Occasionally kill someone. Yeah, that's. I think in this deck you could, all, you could seriously do like Brain Geyser, you for 40 forked. Draw 80 cards, you die. <laughs> that sounds like a dream come I true. I think that's possible. I really do. Do you think, well, you know, you're going to have, do you think you're going to have the cards when we play tomorrow? No, you're not going to have them yet. No, I ordered them. They're not going to be there yet. Darn. Because I would Dang love it. to see you mill someone out. Um, <laughs> it's not the main plan, but you do have Blue Sun Zenith, a yeah. few other things. You could you could maybe do it. Please target Craig. Uh, this next one you added, which is very smart, and I did actually order one. Braid of Fire. Card's so good. Yeah, so usually Braid of Fire, we've talked about this card a decent number of times. One in red for an enchantment. Cumulative upkeep, add red to your mana pool. Back in the day, it had mana burn, so it would hurt you, but. And it um, adds it during your upkeep. Yeah. So it's sort of like not that useful in a lot of decks because you have to be able to use that mana at instant speed. Yeah, but you're going to have a lot of instants in this deck, and you're also going to play cards like Vidalkan Orrery that let you cast your sorcery cards and everything else as instants. Uh, so you're going to be able to use this mana, which is great, and you get more of it every single turn. People yeah, we should spell out really quickly. So if it's got cumulative upkeep right. of add red mana to your mana pool, that means that it accumulates. So on the first turn, it gives you one red mana. 
On the second, it gives you two. On the third, it gives you three. So by the eighth turn, it's giving you eight red mana to your mana pool during your upkeep every turn. And then the next turn will be nine and ten and so on. Yeah. This card is insane when you can use the mana. So like in Joyra, I have it. Mm -hmm. And by the fifth or sixth turn, it's just like you can do anything you want. The world is yours. The world is your oyster. Yeah, so Brave the Fire, great card in this deck. It usually is one of those cards I see. I'm like, hmm, could put it in this deck, but I can't support it well enough. This is one of those decks for sure that will be able to use it quite well. Um, and there's one more, of course. Chaos Warp, baby. Oh, yeah. Chaos Warp should totally be in this deck. Uh, they just didn't want to reprint it, I guess. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. That and also Capsize, which is a... Uh, you get a bounce a... Non-land permanent. Bounce a uh, non-land permanent. Non per no, actually, it's a permanent. For one blue blue, and you can buy it back for three. So, so good. Yeah, you're going to be buying this thing back quite a bit. Instant speed, too. Just capsize everything. The other thing I would say is X counterspells with X in them. So stuff like Power Sync, Syncopate. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to have so many experience counters. Usually those cards are not as good. But if you've got 9, 10 experience counters, then they're going to have to pay 10 extra mana for their spell. Plus it will put an experience counter on because it's an X spell. Yeah. So it's I think X counterspells with X in them will almost be better than like regular counterspell in this deck yeah and and also we said last week counterspells like rewind where it's two blue blue oh, to counter target so spell up to untap up to four lands and if you're gonna be casting it for blue blue it means you actually gain mana from the transaction and any there's a few cards that are instants and sorceries uh in blue that say do something and then untap this many lands mm -hmm. and they're all based on the total converted mana cost of that spell but because mizix makes the spell cheaper all those cards are good yeah in this deck yeah for sure so I love this deck. It's my favorite. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I Mizzix do... was my favorite from the get-go anyway. But... Yeah. I do too, obviously, because I am building it. I, I think Azuri is the most powerful, and I do want to build an Azuri deck and a Marin deck. So, Oh, nice. There's very cool stuff in this You're set. You're going all out. I guess Josh so. Josh is going to have all these enemy-colored commanders soon. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> We're going to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, we'll talk about cards that can fit into other decks. Vandal Blast. It's a great sorcery speed card that can wreck every single artifact on the battlefield. Um, the new card, Mizzix's Mastery, is insane if you can find other decks to put that in. In this deck, it may be one of the most powerful cards. <laughs> so Mizzix's Mastery is three in a red. Exile target card that's an instant or sorcery oh, yeah. from your graveyard. For each card, exile this way. You may cast the copy, a copy, and you can cast it without paying its mana cost. And you can overload it for five red, red, red. Basically, for five red, 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 your entire graveyard just becomes just... A, I don't know, a freaking machine gun of instants and sorceries. Yeah, I, I know this now. I didn't know the name, but this card's bonkers, crazy. Notably, some... Mizzix's Mastery uh, in the Mizzix deck. Mizzix is on the card, going <laughs> nuts, casting fire and lightning out of the freaking... Oh my god, it's casting a fireball, and it's casting a lightning bolt out of itself. This card was made for me. Jimmy is so excited. <laughs> it's got every single thing that I want. Oh my in god! Life. It's got a fireball and a lightning bolt. Oh like, my god! What else do I need? Best of both worlds. I'm really excited about Mystic Confluence, and I think that. Uh, yeah, I like this guy a lot too. Yeah, this is the modal card where you can choose three, but you can choose the same mode more than once. So you can counter target spell unless its controller plays three. Return target creature to its owner's hand and, and or draw a card. I just yeah. think this is going to be better than Crypto Command a lot of the time. I think you're a lot of the time you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're like, counter that, draw two cards. Yeah, that's insane, right? Better than Crypto Command? Who yeah. Who thought? I mean, sometimes it won't be, obviously, and mm -hmm. everyone out there is like, hey, ho, ho, slow down, Josh. Yeah. I know. Sometimes it'll be like, just counter a spell because you got to make them pay nine more for it. And mm -hmm. there will be occasions where you can't even counter it because they have nine mana available. So then in the worst case scenario, it's just draw three cards. How yeah, bad is Jace's that? Ingenuity. At instant speed, yeah. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Or you can bounce three creatures. Yeah. That's pretty good. No, I think this card is very, very good. Yeah, and then Aether Snatch, four blue, blue, instant, gain control of target spell. 
you may choose new targets for it. That card is really good. Yeah. By by the way, if it's a permanent, you get the permanent. You get it's it. basically like sort of perplexing Chimera, except for that you don't actually give them anything in return. You just get the spell. Yeah. Yeah. Count me in. Count me in. All right. Grade. Give it. This is a uh, out of the box. Out of the box. I'm talking about the pre-con. I think this is a B plus. Yeah, I'd say B plus. Yeah, it's not. I don't think any of the decks are actually in the A range, honestly. I haven't actually done the stat breakdowns on all the other ones, um, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Marin looks like it could be very powerful out the box because I do know that two of those legendary creatures work really well together. Yeah, and so if the support is there in the same way that we've seen the support for this, it could be. We'll certainly find out. Uh, the next time when we potentially review that deck, you have to listen in. Look at that. We're teasing the next episode. We never do that. Yeah, because we, we're always like, oh, what are we going to do next time? Well, I'll figure it out Monday. Uh, so it's that time to announce the winner of the Kalemni Contest. Are you guys nervous? I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Uh, so the winner, again, uh, by sending us the best interaction and use of Kalemni that we thought. Now, of course, we got tons of very, very good answers. Some really funny ones, too. Yep. A lot of people were just like, the best way to use Kalemni is take her out of your deck and build around a different commander. <laughs> that was a lot of people, which I really wanted to pick one of the people that said that, but that didn't seem, yeah, that it didn't did, seem right. It didn't seem right, yeah. So um, we can't obviously give awards to everyone, but huge shout-outs to everyone that did enter. Thank you guys so much. We had a great response to the contest, and, of course, we're just going to keep doing stuff like this in the future because we know that you guys love it, and we've given away so much stuff at this point uh, that it makes us happy to see you guys rip some really cool cards from packs. Um, so... The winner of the Calumny contest this time around. Wait. Huh? Terry. Terry. Drum roll, please. Oh, wait. He's doing the drum roll. Thank you, Terry. The winner is Andrew Forns and Tiffany Gord. We actually have a duo team winner. Yeah, Andrew actually emailed us, Mm -hmm. but I believe that the idea that we kind of liked the most was from Tiffany. Yeah, which is his fiance. Uh, So they were uh, trying to uh, – I'll just read it. Uh, we decided to start with covering the color's weakness, which meant adding artifacts to supplement it. In doing so, we decided to delve deeper into how artifacts could work with infinitely proliferating the counters in colors that don't ever mess with proliferation. This led us down the path of using Throne of Geth in combination with Draw Scorpions, something that my fiance Tiffany Gord posted the Mythic Spoilers the day Calamity was spoiled. And after about two hours, we finally had a list that could work. The deck functions like an engine, a ton of small moving parts moving the whole thing forward. Uh, we hope you like it, and we hope it isn't against the rules to work together. If we win, I'll be a gentleman and give her the deck. I like blue anyways. So I like you, Andrew, because you like blue. And but Tiffany, if Andrew doesn't give you the Calumny deck, then he's a liar. Yeah, he's a big, dirty liar, and you should let us know immediately. <laughs> uh, so the two cards he mentioned were Throne of Geth, uh, which is a two-drop artifact. You can tap it to sacrifice an artifact, then proliferate. So... You have to tap it, which is where the Draw Scorpion comes in. Draw Scorpion is a four-drop artifact creature. It's a 3-1. Whenever a Draw Scorpion or another artifact creature is put into a graveyard from play, you may untap target artifact. So if Throne of Geth taps and sacrifices an artifact, that artifact will go to the graveyard, and then you can untap Throne of Geth. So you get to proliferate and then untap it and tap it and sack another artifact and proliferate and then yeah. tap it and sack another off. So you could proliferate however many times you've got artifacts mm-hmm. um, so as long means, as those two cards are in play. Yeah, and all you have to do is trigger uh, once off of 
uh, Calamity being out to get that first experience counter, and then you can just sort of go to town as long as you have other creatures and things that can get at it. So a card such as uh, Mirror Battlesphere, which is a 7-drop that comes in with 4 1-1 artifact creatures, you can just basically start sacking those guys, draw Scorpions is out, you're untapping, you just added 4 experience counters. And let's say you had something like Lightning Greaves out, all of a sudden Calamity is coming in for a whole buttload of damage. Yeah, you could do that actually fairly early. I think you it's probably possible to do it around turn six, seven. Mm-hmm. So maybe even earlier if you have enough ramp for it, you know. Yeah. And you're gonna be playing a lot of artifacts. And then if you see the opening, you can actually start sacking your mana rocks to proliferate more. Yeah, totally. And you'd want to play cards like Goblin Tinkerer in here that you can uh bring artifacts back. You can trade artifacts for artifacts and just get re enter the battlefield triggers. Yeah, this seems really interesting. I really liked where uh these two went with it. The idea to sort of uh, stretch beyond the means of the color is something that we always love to do on the show. Yeah, very, very cool. I'm not saying it's the most powerful way to build the deck, but it is definitely the most interesting way. And it is using artifacts, which red recently has been really pushing in that direction. Mm -hmm. And white is one of the affinity colors. So uh, good on you. Yeah, good on you. Tiffany and Andrew. Big shout out to everyone else that sent in suggestions and ideas. We got, oh my gosh, I don't know how many, over... Probably over 100. Oh, yeah, easily between all the different comments. Yeah, we got like 70 emails alone. So you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for competing. Uh, We will have more contests in the future. So don't feel bad if you lost. There are always more opportunities for y'all. Also, thank you because it's really going to help us when we do the deck review for Calumny because I was dreading it, but now I'm cool. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely shout out some of your names when we get to it. So (laughs) thanks, guys. All right, end step. End step. All right, time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I have something. Yeah, hit it. Overwatch, baby. Overwatch. Big shout out to our buddy Andy Belford over at Riot. Thanks, Andy. Who hooked it up and got us the uh, Overwatch beta invite, mm-hmm. which I just downloaded and have not played yet, although I did, get, I did get to play it at BlizzCon last year, not this year. Oh, really? Nice. So I'm assuming it's probably different because it's been about 12 months. Um, very excited to play that. I'm not good at first-person shooters, but I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm excited to play it. I opened it up my laptop. I'm like, oh, yeah, I opened it up. And I was like, this is not available for Max. I'm like, dang it, I got to find a PC now. Oh, no. It's fine. They're playing PCs. Um, also, a shout-out to uh, Siobhan Slaughter, who got uh, us passes to BlizzCon oh, yeah. last week. She's the public relations manager for Heroes of the Storm. Uh, unfortunately, Josh couldn't make it, which was sad. I had to work. That's that's one of these things that happens. And, Jimmy, you're you're finding this out. Working, yeah. working sucks. Hey, I've worked a lot in the past. No, I no, I, I mean like nine the, to five. The true nine to five grind. In this case, it's been a ten to eight every day. So that's uh, we don't actually fun. have nine to fives in the entertainment industry. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> they're start and stop when you're done. Yep. Good times. Good times. So indeed. if you happen to be in the Overwatch beta or you get in at some point, then definitely give us a tweet. Let us know, and we'd love to play some games with you. Yeah, you can find uh, Jimmy at JF Wong. You can find me josh lee kwai or you can tweet uh at the shows the podcasts i mean mm-hmm. uh twitter which is at command cast very nice well it's the cleanup step josh right. you always take this one first so why don't you keep shouting out twitter names make sure you <laughs> listen to our sister podcast the masters of modern alex kessler and ben bateman are the hosts they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic it's a very good place to go to sort of hone your skills Mm -hmm. you're really good at competitive magic at tournament magic it also does help you i listen to it every week and it helps me with commander not that we're always super competitive but some of that mindset does level you up uh for our format certainly you can find them 
rocketjump.com slash the mm cast and you can find them in twitter at the mm cast sounds good our editor for the show is terry robertson and very special thanks to jeffrey palmer for providing the living card animations that start and are in throughout all of our videos you can find those videos at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast we do videos for every show guys you should check them out they're awesome and we also do videos for every show you should check them out guys they're awesome and also we should let you guys know that we are doing videos for every single show you should check them out they're awesome yeah and uh, you can find uh, not terry you can find jeffrey on twitter at living cards mtg terry get on twitter man so we can chat you out some more terry i'm sorry for this episode i've made a lot of mistakes and i'm sure you made me sound well not good but better (laughs) no no listener if terry did his job will know that josh essentially halfway through just started screaming bloody murder (laughs) bloody murder (laughs) i'm still doing it bloody murder started making goat noises for whatever reason (laughs) (laughs) what What was that you know how goats sometimes uh Scream? Like humans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold yeah. on, wait, wait. Uh, you Let's know what? Find that. While we're this here... This is the second show in a row where we've done goat noises. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, funny goat screaming like human. I'll just turn it up real fast. This is my laptop playing. Is that a goat? Those are fake, right? Nope, that's a real goat. So next time somebody asks you to do a goat noise, you do, <laughs> Just start screaming. Pretty good. Blah! Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. That's the show, and we will see you next time. Peace. Out. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.